1: Dun 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 dun. <laughs> Welcome. You guys are listening to the Command Zone a podcast. Uh, audio podcast, maybe Uh, maybe video podcast. I missed
2: my cue. How's it? It's Josh Lee (laughs) Kwai. Oh,
1: yeah. My name is Jimmy Wong. Uh, We are your hosts for the Command Zone podcast. We talk about all things Commander and EDH, but
2: you guys probably already knew that. Well, we want to make sure that they're not confusing this with the sideboard episode, which we just had. You know, so we're back to the Command Zone now. Yep. You can tell by the normal intro and
1: the fact that we have not mentioned... Well, we're going to talk about Commander today, actually. So uh, we have a really special, exciting episode. I'm I'm really excited. Uh, We, for one... We have a Commander 2015 spoiler. SPOILER ALERT! Air Horn Alert! Pew, pew, pew! Uh, pew but pew, we also have a very fun episode because today we are going to be talking about first the Magic Online Legendary Cube.
2: Legendary, legendary.
1: <laughs> so they announced this uh, back in August. Uh, the legendary cube. Uh, we'll do a very quick breakdown. Uh, it's a basically it's a new draft format that you can play on Magic Online. If you guys have played like the Legacy Cube on there before or the Holiday Cube, you'll uh, have a good idea of what a cube is. Or if you played a cube in real life, you'll know what it is. Um, it's very special because every creature within it is legendary.
2: Yeah, it's been specifically designed to play like Commander. Yep, which is super exciting for us. Um, you know, it's it's really fitting because we just did. The sideboard episode, which was about Draft, Mm -hmm. and normally our content is about Commander, and this legendary cube is basically like if Draft and Commander had a baby. Yeah. It would be a a cool baby. Yeah. Coolest baby on the block. The baby's favorite grandparents would be Prophet of (laughs) Kruphix and Consecrated Sphinx. And I'd, it would not like would, Uncle B- uh, Blood Moon
1: at all. Uh, I don't know if consecrated things would make a good grandparent. That thing is like a giant
2: Phyrexian bug. But it draws you a million cards. Yeah, but it's terrifying. That's like the grandparent <laughs> that just gives you the best presents all the time.
1: Yeah, but every time it gives you the present, you feel and you're like, oh god, uh, it uh, smells like grandma's. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Um, but uh, the 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 nice thing about the legendary cube is it ties right in also to the Commander 2015 product because this time around you get to win cards from the cube and outside from the cube. There's an independent selection of 149 cards, and you can actually win cards that are inside the cube. And this usually does not happen with cubes. Cubes, you draft and then you give the cards back.
2: Yeah, usually they're phantom points or they call them player points Play now. Points but, now, yeah. Um, They're usually, like, yeah, you just draft the cube, and that's it. You don't get anything except for more phantoms or slash player points now. Um, It's good because you can't rare draft because you're drafting usually very high power level cards and stuff. That's true. Also, I mean, did you say this? You were talking so fast. Uh, (laughs) Maybe I'm repeating, but the cards you're going to win, some of them are going to be cards from the new Commander 2015 product, and that's the only way that you're actually going to be able to get those cards on Magic Online because they're not going to sell... The commander precon decks online because yeah. well there's only 55 new cards in the set um, and uh, in, I mean
1: honestly just buying a full box of the precon is not good value you know you can get all the cards individually for they cheaper. Just haven't
2: historically sold well on MTGO so this is their way of sort of trying something different. And I
1: think it's smart. Yeah, I think it's smart too. And of course, who doesn't love cracking packs, especially when you can win them playing in a really sweet cube. Um, so I you know who knows this may be my first steps to making an EDH deck on Magic Online.
2: Oh snap!
1: Oh snap! Get ready for me to really miss a lot the triggers <laughs> um, no you can't wait well you can't miss is it, i'll online. misclick through all of them oh okay. yeah okay or i'll gotcha. forget to do stuff in response and be like oh god it was you know that was your end step why is it my tri- oh no oh uh, it's all over <laughs>
2: <laughs> so to talk about the uh legendary cube on mtgo we have brought in a very special guest Woo-hoo. we have adam prozac adam works in magic r&d that's research and development as a game designer adam thanks for coming on the show hey man
3: hey thanks for having me
2: Absolutely. Um, Well, first off, Adam,
1: uh, let's give our viewers a a very brief breakdown of who you are. So
3: I am a developer in Magic R&D. In relation to this, I uh, do a lot of my work on maintaining the uh, other cubes that we have on Magic Online, the Legacy Cube and the Vintage Cube. Uh, I've been at Wizards for about two years.
1: Very nice. Do you play Commander yourself?
3: So I've dabbled in Commander. I'm not I'm certainly not the uh, hardcore commander player that you guys are.
2: <laughs> well,
1: few uh, few are
2: Adam. Few
3: are. Yeah,
1: I know. We're, we're right. at that
2: upper echelon uh, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a commander deck?
3: Not currently. Oh, who have, you? have you? Go ahead. I've built uh, I've built commanders decks in the past. Uh, in fact, a lot of my commanders show up in the legendary cube.
1: Uh-huh. Uh huh. I wonder why that is. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I've had uh, a Hannah Ships Navigator deck, uh, oh, a nice. Niv Mizzet uh, deck. You and... monster. Well, I don't, I don't kill you instantly with my Niv Mizzet <laughs> deck. Yeah, you just do it. I, I never like so. <laughs> the instant win combos. Yeah. Uh, and I had a Cedrus deck, an Unearthed deck. That was my favorite.
1: Oh, very nice. That's a mechanic I don't see very often.
3: Are
2: we correct in assuming that, like, if we ever see those cards come across uh, the legendary cube, we should take them because you've supported those cards more than the others?
3: (laughs) Uh, Not necessarily. Um,
2: That's a yes. That's a yes, everybody.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of uh, my personal favorite cards. It's it's interesting, and we'll get into this more. But uh, building a cube with such a constraint is so interesting. You know, if all the creatures are legendary, a ton of cards that are just, like, commander staples, like your eternal witnesses. Right, right. You know, your, your prophet of crew fixes, your states, they're not in here.
2: Grandma and grandpa are not in there?
3: I mean,
1: they should mm. be legendary with how ridiculously powerful
3: <laughs> they are. <laughs> well, I I certainly wouldn't want to play them as my commander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
2: know, right? <laughs> Broken. Yeah, seriously. Uh, let's talk about, speaking of the constraint. Let's talk about where the entire idea for the legendary cube came from. Was that something that you came up with? Is it a team? How does it work exactly?
3: It certainly wasn't my idea, but our, we so we in Magic R and D we have a a digital component to so people that work exclusively on Magic online, right? And a lot of what they're trying to do is come up with new, like cool content for. That can only really be done on Magic Online. Yeah. Something that Magic Online can offer that other things. Right? Like that's why we did Vintage Masters. Right. Uh Tempest Remastered.
1: Yeah, for those that don't know, uh Vintage and the Eternal formats are insanely cheaper to play on Magic Online. And it really is one of the only realistic ways you can play because they're a... allowed
2: to actually quote unquote yeah. reprint we... the reserve list because they're not actually printing them; they're creating them digitally, so that yeah. you can you can play with Black Lotus and, and you can, can actually open a pack that has yeah, Black Magic Lotus. Yeah, Magic Online
3: yep. does not have a reserve list, so right. you can you do a bunch of cool things like vintage. And I actually worked on both Vintage Masters and Tempest Remaster. Very oh, very cool. nice. Yeah.
2: So who? So where did the idea for the Legendary Cube itself come from?
3: We, right now, we uh, support two different cubes vintage cube with a holiday cube and the legacy cube those are really popular but those kind of just like take a format legacy or vintage and just kind of take the best cards possible right so it's at the absolute top right of the power curve you know power curve you're just getting the most powerful cards well we thought well not everybody just wants to play not all of these cards are for everybody and so, like, you know, a lot of people with a lot of different cubes, you know, common and uncommon cubes, tribal cubes, color only cubes, you know, all sorts of different cubes. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, what kind of different cube can we make at Wizards that might serve a different audience? And we're like, oh, wow, one of the underserved audiences on Magic Online is a commander uh, audience. And that's kind of where it came from. Uh It actually started out as a multicolored cube that was just going to have a lot of the, like, multicolored and legendary.
1: Right. Well, the original multicolored cards were all legendaries way back in the day when they were fully gold.
3: Right. And so that's where it came out. That's where it started. And very quickly it turned into, like, hey, what happens if literally every single creature is legendary?
2: That's awesome. That is very awesome.
3: And then it just went from there.
2: Did you hear that, everybody? It's the Commander community. Like yeah, they we know did about it. us.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we make, we make Commander products for you guys every. Year. No, no, yeah, I am right. not
2: pretending that
1: you We're very
3: right. for, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, it's and funny, conspiracy. Like everyone
1: that I follow from Wizards on Twitter, I uh, the most I, I usually see are like, "Hey, it's Commander Night," and you just see like eight decks on the table. You're <laughs> like, "Whoa, that must be sweet to have such an immediate playgroup." Um, yeah.
3: It, yeah, there's a, there's a ton of people that play uh, Commander at Wizards. In fact, one of the people on the development team, Robert Schuster, oh, yes. uh, he, he organizes the command... Uh, the command zone.
2: Arg, the pirate himself?
3: Yeah, the pirate himself.
2: Yeah, if you guys watch the
1: Community Cup, you will uh, recognize Robert as he was the one that faced off against us in the very first ever commander section of the Community And
2: Jimmy's Cup. deck just steamrolled him.
1: Well, I mean, it, it slowly <laughs> steamrolled him. It was a tr- true steamroller. It went very slowly, <laughs> and you could see it coming from a
3: mile away.
2: <laughs> so, Adam, what was your specific role uh, on the Legendary Cube?
3: So, uh, we had in R&D Most products get uh, two different processes: get a uh, design process and a development process. Mm -hmm. A lot of things are even more complicated than you know, art and story and all that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But for uh, for this product, there's basically a design process and a development process within R and D. And uh, so, design kind of creates the vision. Uh, That was led by Randy Bueller. Right. And he's he works on may have heard of him. Yeah. Yeah, you may have heard of him. He's a Hall of Famer does our coverage. And he, he works
1: on the, the other cubes also, right? Yeah, and he's yes. also res- he's responsible for the Super Leagues that are on Twitch, which are right. super fun to watch.
3: Right. So, yeah, uh, Rand and I do the same thing for our Legacy and Vintage games, so it's a natural extension that we would work on this one. This one was different because we actually spent uh, a whole process. We had a uh, team of people uh, working with us. So Randy led the design, and I led the development. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then my development team was myself, uh, aforementioned Robert Schuster, and uh, Jackie Lee, who's a former pro player, Mm -hmm. who now works in R&D. We spent a bunch of time working and getting this right and it's and everything changes so rapidly when we're building something from scratch it uh takes quite a bit of time so my role was to lead the development randy gave me a f- something to work with he he came up with something from nothing right and then i took that and worked it into what what you'll play on magic online
2: about how long does that process take so let's say if they said today you know you hadn't started on it yet okay we're gonna do a legendary cube. How long in, in, until it's like you, you say? Okay, it's ready to go.
3: It, we, it was in design and development for about sixteen weeks.
2: Okay, about four months. Four months. Yeah. Yeah. The, you have the coolest job because <laughs> because Jimmy yep. Jimmy and I have been teaming up with a friend of ours, Craig, and Craig did most of the work honestly. But and we've been making a cube for fun. Yeah. This is your job. Yep. Yeah.
3: You're well, you're I, a lucky I've, lucky man, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've built cubes, you know, ever since I've known a cube exists, like, I've built cubes for over 10 years.
2: Right. Yeah, you just, and, and at first you were doing the same thing, just doing it for fun, but now you actually get paid. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now you yeah. actually get paid to do it. Do, do you, like, look up and, like, thank your fairy godmother that, like,
3: <laughs> I mean, because yeah.
2: if you don't, you definitely should, I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah you don't want that fairy godmother to stop waving the magic wand.
3: I very much tell people that I have the best job in the world, and it'd be really difficult for me to imagine doing anything else
1: yeah absolutely i so, mean we'll we'll definitely have to have an episode on cube it may be a sideboard episode for us yeah. because it is an, a really fascinating format and you get to play with a power level that i think is very similar and familiar to commander players because it's up there and yeah you can
2: uh, create combos and you can yeah you know yeah it's very very cool
3: well, the th- great thing about cube is that you actually get to pick your power level.
2: Right, yeah, yeah. And and you get to go into a
1: cool archetype that someone else has designed and sort of given you the support and tools to make. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I'm really excited, actually, because commander cards, I think, have a lot of direction built into them, especially the commanders and stuff. Uh, now, how much of those... The product when you you guys only uh, you didn't include obviously every one of the new cards but a lot of them are going to be in there. How much impact did those cards and their power level have on sort of the other cards in the cube that may or may not affect them?
3: So, uh, with the cards in uh, Commander products, uh, a lot of them aren't really great at going into a cube, especially for Magic Online, because so Cube is a one versus one format, right? correct? Yeah, right. and a lot of the best Commander designs. Kind of scale or work better when you have a lot of different players you'll see that you know for example the i forget which commander it's in but like the join forces mechanic right
2: that has to do with how many other players choose right. to do something with yeah you, yeah so if it's just one-on-one it's not there's not a lot of interesting stuff that goes on but if there's five people now all of a sudden there's a bunch of negotiation mm-hmm. and the power level of your effect can grow or shrink depending
3: right and don't get me wrong, there are still a ton of, like, Commander has a ton of influence, like, Commander products, all of them. Yeah, totally. Together, has a ton of influence, there's a ton of those cards in here, but, like, typically you only get a few from each Commander set mm-hmm. that that work really well. Like, a lot of the creatures end up f- uh, from one of the Commander, because Commander is where you get to have, like, the three and four, you know, two and three color legends. Right. right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, especially because they're enemy themed this year in Commander 2015, and uh, yep. uh, we'll actually be cracking a pack later on in the show, and we'll get to see sort of what colors are going on there. Um, very mm-hmm. exciting, though. I, I I cannot wait to to at least test some of these out in the new one v one format because it's interesting. In the Legacy Cube, Consecrated Sphinx is can be a first pick out of a pack, but it's not amazing. It's not amazing, but it's still it's really good. You know? yeah. yeah, it's yeah. still super strong, which is great because you know it doesn't just because it's better in multiplayer doesn't mean it's not equally strong and as first pickable in 1v1, right. which is interesting.
2: Makes sense. Um, can you talk to us, Adam, about some of the unique challenges for this cube specifically that maybe wouldn't be there for another cube? I mean, yeah. You, you talked about the legendary thing and Eternal Witness, but was there anything else?
3: When it comes to legendary creatures, do a gatherer search on how many legends there are, uh-huh. and then take all the ones that are like really, really specific, and you actually don't have a, a ton of things to choose from. Right. If you do. You are restricted to a very small amount of things, and then you do stuff like uh, look at the balance of the cube. Like, for example, one of the cards, one of the first cards we tried out and cut was Empress You Sculina. Know like? <laughs> Too good. <laughs> look at that one. That's just like it steals a legendary. Totally yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, it, it just deals all of your opponent's creatures. Yeah, right. that's
2: insane. Yeah, that, that card's totally broken in a cube where everything's legendary. Well, Makes a lot of sense.
3: <laughs> on, the, on the flip side, we were able to take a lot of the other cards that are, like, Legends Matters or uh-huh. work well with Legends and kind of build stuff on that, so...
1: That is exciting. There are a lot of Legends Matters cards, and I don't actually see them too often in EDH, like Arena of the Ancients kind of sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I really like that effect because I think you know, obviously we're all playing with powerful creatures, and a lot of them are legendaries. Mm-hmm. Um, another question: Are uh, now they don't have the legendary subtype, but will we be seeing Planeswalkers of any sort in this cube?
3: So there, there are a couple planes. I believe there are two, and they both support one of one of the big uh, like sub themes and the thing that they support the artifacts theme so there's Tezzereth the seeker and Doretti Dreddy. scrap ah, yes very nice we did build in some some themes where we could like so there are some archetypes they're absolute archetypes um it's a lot of times it's tough to get them with only legendary creatures because not there aren't a ton of legends
1: right uh that makes that a lot sense. fit
3: into the same theme.
2: Right, and then without non-legends, it's hard to make certain themes work. Like, a, like I, I'm gonna guess that a flicker mechanic would be tough because most of the things you want to flicker are not legendary.
3: Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah, flicker just like doesn't have like, you don't have your bull drifters or your, you know, your yeah, your cloud go nano wars, yeah, or anything like that. And a lot of times when we're making normal sets, we'll build a theme, like say landfall and battle for Zendikar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll build a landfall theme into the set. And then we'll top it off with like one legend.
2: Right. Right.
1: Well, one yeah.
3: legend does not a theme make.
2: <laughs> yeah, there it's like there's Tassiger, but there's not like a whole bunch of Delve legends. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Exactly. There's a Delve legend. So yeah. a lot of the legends come at you from like different, different angles and different things. So a lot of the synergies and archetypes. Are built into the non-creatures.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I'm guessing the artifacts, enchantments, incense, and sorceries are going to be a big make a big difference, sort of in the cube because there. Yeah. Th- that's where you can really get creative and molding what what happens with the cards. So we
3: yeah we looked at mm-hmm. enchantments, but again, a lot of the payoff cards are creatures and non-legendary creatures. Mm-hmm. So we really didn't have access to like an Argothian enchantress. Mm. right for example or like yeah. uh core spirit dancer
2: right any of the stuff it... that really pays you for having a bunch of enchantments mm. yeah right
3: so there is an instance and sorcerers uh deck uh they're a lot of fun to draft i'm definitely an is it guy myself
2: <laughs> Oh, very nice is melek in the
1: cube I th- yeah oh yeah captain paragon
3: when possible a lot of them are mostly supported in the non-creatures but maybe have like two to five you know somewhere some low amount like uh Tolerant Tolerant. is in the key. Right. Yep. So there's some stuff.
1: This is so exciting. These are all cards that I know. Sometimes you'll mention like a legacy card, I'm like, eh, I don't really know what it is. But every single one of these legendary creatures, I'm like, Oh yes, I know them very well. <laughs> I know I know <laughs> that whole deck. Yeah.
3: So you probably you probably know more about these cards than I do because when I was building this, I had to look up so many cards. <laughs> like I became three hundred times more familiar with every single legendary creature in Magic. I, bet. I just oh, when yeah. building this, I would just constantly mm. just have Gather open, let you know, just type in Legend and just <laughs> see what comes. Stare up. at, stare at my screen for a while. You
2: know. <laughs> well, I'm chomping at the bit here. Why don't we just get to the getting? Yeah, what do you think? let's do it. Okay, so we are going to crack a pack of the Legendary Cube. It's a digital pack. Um, Hold on, I'll, I'll do some real life sound effects. Oh, we got a fully stage here. Yeah, uh, this is actually, actually a granola a, bar. A granola bar. I'm, I'm... <laughs> we didn't even have to say the granola bar part. They don't know. They don't know, right? That yeah, one's actually. Full. That one's actually a pack. That's yeah, a pack. So that was still a granola bar. <laughs> we're gonna list that. We're gonna read off the cards that are in the pack and what they do. If you're in your car or you're listening to it, it it might be a little tough to follow. Yep. If you can, I would suggest that you go to YouTube. Uh, and you check out our page there because you'll be able to see all the cards. We'll put them all up on screen, um, but we will read them so that you know. If you can't do that, you can try yeah. and follow along as best you can. Hopefully, you'll know some of these cards because some of them are commander staples. Yeah, we'll go through, do a little discussion on the all, and then we get to choose. Oh my gosh, I feel like we're limited resources
1: here. We get to choose which one of these creatures we would take, or or uh, lands, or artifacts, or whatever. Which which card we would take first? So uh, we're gonna pretend like we just opened up a draft on Magic Online for the Legendary Cube, the first and pack. For, huh? for what
3: it's worth. This is very much a pack you could open. Like we kind of hit the random button a couple times. That's we found an actual booster pack. Excellent!
1: Ooh, so this is indicative of what you could open when you do play the cube. All right, Jimmy. Sweet. Okay, so we're we're gonna we've already sorted them into uh, subtypes so that we can just go through them more easily. All right, here comes the booster pack. We're starting off with creatures. The first creature in the pack is orem Samite Healer. I've never, I've never seen this guy before. Uh, one white, white. Actually, a she. Uh, it is a 1-3 legendary creature, Human Cleric. And you can tap to prevent the next three damage that will be dealt to target creature
2: or player this turn. I have played with this card. Um, these type of cards are actually sort of freakishly good. Yeah. It's hard to see it on the card, but it makes combat like so complicated.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's tough to attack and block. With this Yeah, cabinet.
2: and someone that is playing something like
1: Merith or something that pings, you can just really blank a lot of that stuff, too. Yep.
2: Yeah, it's it's actually a very good card. I mean, it's, well, we'll, we'll go through. I, I, it's going to be hard to tell from only one card whether or not that one card is pickable or not. Yeah, I think this is much better 1v1, however. Yeah, oh, for, yeah, sure. for, for sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next one is Miri the Cursed. 2 and 2 black for a 3-2. Vampire cat legend has flying, first strike, and haste. Whenever Miri the Cursed deals combat damage to a creature, put a one one counter on Miri the Cursed. Remember, she does have first strike, so She, unless she's fighting a creature with first strike she'll get that counter before taking jam- damage yeah she reminds me a lot of uh drana the liberator
1: of malakir mm-hmm. that yep. was in Battle and car but I, I played against this card once in a, in a 1v1 game and i was destroyed by it
2: i mean if it if it hits one time
1: and doesn't die it's you're probably in big trouble. Yeah, and it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, because if a you couldn't clock, kill it the first time, yeah. then what's going to happen the next time? Yeah, now notably, both of our cards so far have had two of the mana symbols in them, so there's a little bit of a dedication if we're going to go into these cards.
2: Uh, Adam, is there is there anything we're seeing so far from these first two cards that are sort of archetype-specific that you, you know, one of the archetypes you talked about earlier?
3: No, one thing to notice is that uh, if you look at the legends, not a lot of them are lower on the mana curve. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So these are actually... On the low end.
1: Interesting.
2: At, oh, that's a good point, because there's not a lot of two-drop legends. There's just
1: not yeah. very it, many of them, yeah.
3: Exactly. In fact, yeah, our booster does not have a single card that is two CMC or less. Right. Oh,
1: so no Kid Jason, I suppose. There's actually
2: only a couple that are three,
1: there, even.
3: There are, no, there are cards in the queue. Oh, right. okay,
2: yeah, our booster, correct,
1: yeah.
3: Our booster, but you just don't see a, a really high percentage mm-hmm. of them compared to a regular dra- uh main booster set back, uh environment
1: yeah well that certainly mimics commander as well which games always yes. of course tend to go longer and you're able to put out bigger sweeter creatures
3: if you yeah if you jam your your commander deck full of one mana and two mana cards you're it's not, not a good be... place to be no. if <laughs> yeah, you exactly. That, if you do that in your modern deck then you're you're doing something right <laughs> it's great yeah, yeah right
2: uh the next card everybody will be familiar with that plays commander it's urabrask the hidden three and two red for a four four legendary creature praetor Creatures you control have haste, and creatures your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped.
1: Yeah, now this is a proper uh, aggro card right here, especially because it's so hard
2: for your opponent to put real blockers down. It's hard to come, come back. If you're ever behind and they play Erobrask, it's really hard to come back. Yeah, especially if they're attacking
3: but, and... Especially if you plan on coming back by playing blockers. Yes, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> it's just never going to
1: happen, right?
3: Right, right.
1: Yeah, that's a very powerful card, and a 5-mana, 4-4, nothing to scoff at. Now, this next guy, uh, this this guy's a beating. It's Thrun, the last troll. Two green-green for a 4-4 legendary creature, troll shaman. Thrun, the last troll, can't be countered, very important, and he also cannot be the target of spells or abilities your opponent's control. So, has hexproof. Has hexproof, and for one in the green, you can regenerate him. Holy moly.
2: 4-mana, 4-4, hexproof, can't be countered. Two mana
1: to regenerate. This is like the perfect thing to strap stuff onto. <laughs> equipment, uh, enchantment, or is there
2: is, like... is there a Voltron um archetype?
3: Um, not really. There are absolutely equipment mm-hmm. in here. But and what we we'll I wouldn't the say second. there's an equivalent of the modern hexproof deck. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's cer- yeah, there's certainly not like a daybreak coronet right, strategy right. in here. However, this is this is kind of like one of the quote unquote beatdown cards. Right where your beatdown cards, you're, you're starting higher, but you're hitting really hard. Thrun and Urbrask and Miri, are, all three of them are pretty good and kind of dealing lots of damage quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yep. Even Obviously. if they're not starting, you know, on turn one or two or whatever.
2: Yeah, and do remember that the in the cube, you will have 20 life, not 40 life. Mm-hmm.
3: Yes, absolutely. That's That's important to notice. So there are attacking strategies that are that are worthwhile even if everything is more expensive
2: yeah absolutely
3: so our next card here is not for an attacking strategy
2: (laughs) i think you you mentioned her earlier as one of your favorite cards yep
3: yeah um it's hannah ships navigator love this card so for one w uh it's a one two not very big but it has the ability of one w Uh, Tap it to return an artifact or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. Ah. So there's a lot of really cool artifacts and enchantments that we'll get to later. And this kind of ties them together if they get destroyed or Mm -hmm. even if you sacrifice them yourself.
2: Yeah, there's a value engine. Yeah, we
1: mentioned uh, Tezzeret as well, so there's definitely a, an artifact theme that you can see between those two cards. Oh yeah,
2: this would go with the artifact Duretti. or yeah, right, right.
3: Yep, absolutely. And and there's stuff like Trading Post, and even even simple stuff like uh, Chromatic Star. Oh uh-huh. yeah,
2: great card. Now this is mm-hmm. a dual colored card. It's blue and white. Yeah. Is that how does that fit into the cube? How? Uh, I, I mean, spoiler alert: we've got three. Um, Fixing. We got three dual lands or fixing lands. We, one's a one's a freaking expedition, actually. Um, but That's the art I put in there. There's plenty of reference. fixing in this pack, <laughs> but we don't know if that's indicative of how the entire cube is. Is yeah. there a lot of fixing?
3: No, it, there is a... So there's a higher number of fixing. There's a high number of artifact mana. Mm-hmm. So a lot of your games will start with a mana, uh, artifact mana.
2: So we shouldn't hesitate to think about taking a two-color card then at all.
3: Oh, absolutely not. In fact, uh a lot of your decks will be three and four and even five colors. Yes.
1: Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Josh is Five colors.
2: That's what I'm talking about.
3: <laughs> and to correspond because so the reason we did this have uh gave you a lot of opportunity to play lots of colors. There's a ton of multicolored legends. Yeah,
2: of course. Most of them
3: uh, a lot of a lot of the cube is multicolored. Yeah more than a normal set and it has a very multi-color feel to it
1: that's so exciting and i'm so glad that we get the fixing to be able to do it uh, justice as well oh um, yeah
3: the the fixing is really good you can't avoid it for the whole draft You get it but
1: <laughs> you're gonna have to draft it at some point guys exactly but uh, <laughs>
3: it's there's plenty to go around
1: very nice um our next legendary creature is keravik the merciless uh, and this guy's sweet. We, he was actually a choice at the Community Cup this year for one of the commanders you could have built around. Uh, five, mm-hmm. a red, and a black for a 5 4 human shaman. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, Kervik the Merciless deals damage to target creature or player equal to that spell's converted mana cost. Holy moly. We well, were just talking
2: about how this cube has high mana cost creatures exactly. and everything. Yeah. Another beat down or uh, aggro type card mm-hmm. um, where. I mean, at a certain point, your opponent might not even be able to play any spells. Yeah. Well, also, if they just have to like kill spell them with something
1: that costs a lot of
3: mana, that they'll just,
2: they'll just take damage, a free burn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it
1: can,
3: yeah, it could take out a bunch of other creatures, and yeah, this card's uh, quite powerful. In this it does
2: cost seven mana though. I would be hesitant to take a seven drop as my pack one pick one. True. I mean, if it was a new a Eugene, a Eugene, would you take it? I would. <laughs> I would definitely think about it. Uh, the next guy is slightly cheaper. Six mana. Four. <laughs> four. A red and a green. For. Uh, oh, sorry. It's Rurikthar, the Unbowed. Four. A red and a green for a 6 6 legendary ogre warrior. Has vigilance and reach. Rurikthar attacks each turn if able. So that's okay because it has vigilance. And whenever a player casts a non creature spell, Rurik Thar deals six damage to that player. Oh, boy. It's kind of like Kervik, but. Well, Karavik's merciless, whereas Rurikthar Thar has a little bit of mercy. Yeah, he's unbowed, yeah. He's not merciless by any means. He, he's like, oh, you cast a creature. I'll show you mercy. Right, which is
1: funny because he's a giant ogre that looks like he just clobbles around all day.
2: He's got two heads. It's like um, it's like Warcraft, not World of Warcraft, although they are in there. But you yeah. know, remember the ogre that had two heads? Yep. We're ready, master. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, this card's also a beating.
3: Yeah, so this card is the bane of my existence. I like to draft <laughs> a lot of the instance and sorceries stuff. So, oh man, this, the
2: instants and sorceries deck. This just stops it dead, right? I mean, yeah, six you, damage per spell. Holy oh, that's so moly. much. Yeah, yeah so this,
3: this guy is yeah really really good against that strategy.
2: Very cool. Well, I like
1: that we're already seeing that certain decks can counter other ones in really interesting ways, and it's creature based too, which is really exciting. Yeah, yeah and that's
3: a lot of what we try to do is put in some strategies and then put in counters to that strategy when we, when we could.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, another reason I love legendary creatures is because they are essentially walking enchantments in a
3: lot of ways. They have just
2: 12 abilities, you know, yeah, yeah. there
3: is, yeah, all of these cards just have, there's SMR, but that's about it. Yeah. Rurkhart has
2: vigilance, reach, attacks each turn of fable and deal six. Like that's four
1: things.
3: Yeah. Right. Well, uh, he does
2: have two heads, so... <laughs> I'm in love with this next card.
3: Two for each head.
1: Oh, yeah. You want to read this next one?
3: This next one only has one ability, though.
1: It, but it's a good one. Yeah, it's ah. uh, pretty pertinent.
3: All right, we have Captain Sassay, uh 2 2G dub for a 2-2 human soldier. And its only ability...
1: Only got one. It's okay.
3: Tap, search <laughs> your library for a legendary card, and put it into your hand.
2: Uh, what is this cube called again? Legendary card yeah. also, which is, uh, there There may be legendary lands, there may be legendary Enchantments. other... Enchantments. Yep, we know Spoiler there's a legendary alert. enchantment. Spoiler <laughs> alert, yeah. Uh, it's the legendary cube, guys. It tutor, this... it just tutors. Like, it just tutors. Yeah. Oh.
3: So this card is, was a card that was, had a lot of discussion about, is this card too powerful?
2: Right. It seems Will, like, like it's the... Galena-like.
3: Yeah, it's this is, but this is the positive one. Instead of stealing all your opponent's stuff, <laughs> this just goes crazy with your stuff. So
2: it's more, it's more fun. Yeah,
3: yeah, we felt it's definitely more fun, and we felt it was like you can't really build a legendary cube without Captain Sissé. Like yep. that's such a letdown.
1: Yeah, she is the leader of the Skyship Weatherlight. I mean,
2: if- I mean, right now. If it wasn't for her, Hannah wouldn't be here either. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, right now, we're taking Sissé, right? I mean, we we haven't read the whole pack, but... That
1: is my top bet. Um, I may go for, uh, like, an Erebrasque though, because I'm kind of crazy
2: and I love red. <laughs> you are Jimmy the Red. Yeah,
3: I, I think Hannah
2: is my second pick. How about you, Adam?
3: Uh, I would take Captain Sissé for sure out of the cards we've seen. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't take Captain Sissé, I would probably take Karovic. Ah, oh.
1: nice. Very merciless indeed.
3: Yeah, Karevik's Kev, really strong in this environment. You're
1: not taking the bane of your existence, Rurik
2: Thar?
3: No. Well, he's not in that
2: deck yet, so he That's doesn't have true, to hate yeah. draft. That's true. All right, well, yeah. we are not done with the pack, so we have... We are only uh, half done. Yeah, yeah so we, we have uh, three lands, um, the Expedition, Stomping Ground. No, I just put the art in there. I don't know if the, the actual I, uh, I, I the highly doubt
3: the, the Expedition. Why not? Why can't
2: it be the Expedition art? Go big or go home, right? Yeah, okay, so it's Stomping Ground <laughs> in the cube. It's not like... Uh, it's not like a normal pack, unfortunately, where you don't get to keep the stomping ground and dance around the room like a crazy person. <laughs> Never done that. Um, stomping ground is the uh, shock land. It's mountain forest. Yep. There's the end of this battlefield. You can pay two life. And if you
1: don't, it comes in tapped. So it gives you the option. Um, Next up is one of the filter lands, Graven Cairns. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the black-red Rakdos land. You can either tap it to add one colorless to your mana pool, or you can tap a black or a red and tap it and add black-black, black-red, or red-red to your mana pool, so any combination of the two.
2: These are the lands you talked about on our uh, last regular Command Zone episode. I'm not saying that this is any sort of indication that they'll be reprinted in the Commander 2015 product, but I hope so. Yeah, it'd be sweet. Uh, and the next land after that is Dreadship Reef,
1: and this is from Commander 2012, I believe. Uh, you can tap it to add one tier mana pool, or you can tap one and tap the land to put the storage counter on Dreadship Reef, and then at any point you can tap one colorless mana re- remove x storage counters from the land and add x mana in any combination of blue and or black tier mana pool. So it's cool. It's a it's a land that. The storage fixed, land, yeah, storage land, but it also fixes you. And if you need to cast like a card that is three blue, you know you're able to add enough counters on something like Dreadship Reef and get that off of there. Yeah, how
2: do these storage lands play in the cube, uh, Adam?
3: They're they're really strong. A lot of times you're kind of they help you just develop your mana, mm-hmm. which is really important. Uh, a lot of times whoever kind of develops better off in the early game and kind of can play all of their spells in a timely fashion. Right. Uh, it comes out ahead. So just all these uh, mana fixing lanes, all three of these are in the cube as cycles. So, okay. the, you know, the rest of them. So, yeah, the storage lanes are really good. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff where, like, you play seven, eight, nine, fifteen 15 mana cards. Holy moly. And, and you cast them. So there's one thing that's... One kind, one mostly restriction. It's almost a hard restriction, but we didn't give you any ways to cheat uh creatures into play.
1: Right. Oh, good. So there's there... no eureka's, no show and tells. Yes.
3: Yeah, we put all the progenitors and emercool and all that stuff in, but we didn't. You got to cast them.
2: That's awesome. So that makes the storage lands a lot better. And also, just as we mentioned before, it looks like the casting cost uh, uh, of your average card is going to be higher than. Yeah. And so a storage land is going to be better in that environment, too, it seems like. Certainly. Yep,
3: absolutely. All right, uh, we have three more, car- this or four more card cards. This next card was,
2: jeez, I think it, it might have been packed. your number one artifact in it is. Uh, Commander. It is, speaking uh, of fixing. Adam, do you want to read the next one?
3: Yeah, it's a Chromatic Lantern. It's a three-mana artifact from Return to Ravnica. And it taps for one mana of any color. So it's a, just a three-mana mana rock that for anything. But it also gives all your lands that ability too. So lands you control have tap add one mana of any color. Pretty so it good. never be color screwed.
1: Yeah, you can play a five color deck with Chromatic Lantern. Uh, so good. I love this card. It's ramp and it also fixes every single land you ever play for the rest of the game. That's
2: the thing. Yeah. It itself is ramp. Yeah. So it also gets you ahead on mana mm-hmm. for for the turn. It's uh I imagine it's very strong. It seems very strong. Yeah.
3: It is yeah, it's the type of card you want to get a certain amount of. In every
1: deck, <laughs> yeah, to make it function, right. Next up, we have Champion's Helm. It's our first equipment we've seen. It's a three-drop artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and as long as equipped creature is legendary, it has hexproof. So, for the sake of this cube, unless you're equipping it onto tokens, essentially, anytime this equips onto a creature, it gives them plus two, plus two, and hexproof. And the equip cost is only one. So that's yeah, so, very powerful.
3: Yeah, this is another card. Like once you have a cube dedicated to legendary creatures, this space opens up, so cards like Champion's Helm. Mm-hmm. And if you want to look up, you know, look at Gather, look at cards that reference legendary things, they're good bet that they're in here.
1: Yeah, and normally, you know, you wouldn't necessarily play this in a normal commander deck, even though you do have legendary creatures in there, because it just doesn't get as good when you don't have multiple targets to equip it to that can benefit right, you, from the hex Right, booth. you
3: can't start moving it around. yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, but in this, every creature you have is going to be legendary. so yeah, every it's creature you draft. I mean, I want to make my Captain Sisse hexproof. Uh, that sounds yeah, like a me too. good idea. Yeah. Are there a lot of sweepers in the, uh, in the cube, a lot of wrath effects?
3: Oh, uh, there, there are some, absolutely. Uh. Um, so it's, it's not like hexproof, it makes it totally touchable. <laughs>
2: Just, well, I mean, but are there a lot? Like, how good is hexproof?
3: Uh, hexproof's pretty reasonable. Um,
2: Don't hear that every
1: day. We balanced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: Uh, we balanced the cube around the the creatures. So we picked the creatures first. Mm-hmm. And then we picked, you know, some of the obvious stuff like the champion's helm, that we just like, yeah, this has to be in. Mm-hmm. And then for the rest of it, we kind of balanced it so that the creatures would shine. So there was Very there's some nice. version of the cube that just had all the best removal of all time. So it had your sword supplies, your doom blades, and all your good, really good spot removal. But, then, but then, that, like, oh. then it becomes
2: about the removal, and not the creatures, right? Mm-hmm. Right.
3: Like one of our first playtests was was won by a, a five-color deck with two creatures, and one of them was Progenitus. <laughs> <laughs> this cast progenitus and all their strong cards were not creatures. So like, whoa, this this is wrong. Right. We gotta we gotta change it so that the creatures are awesome. And so like cards like Champion Some do that right. in a really way way and then we also just like there is some spot removal there are some sweepers but they're like maybe not the the top tier or like they have extra bonuses
2: mm-hmm. like if the
3: creatures are more expensive you want the man, uh, the the other the non-creatures to, to kind of match that
2: right right if you can just path to exile and they had to spend you know six mana on their creature yeah it's tough yeah. especially if the cube doesn't actually give you any one and two mana creatures yeah. because yeah, Precisely, that make, makes yeah. total sense.
3: I, I don't want to play Keravik the Merciless if there's, you know, Swords of Poshares. Right, 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 right. Because right, right, right. you just
2: get blown out tempo-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. The next card is Legendary, so Captain Sise could find it. It is not a creature, though. It often it's, does. It's <laughs> Honden of Seeing Winds. It's four and a blue for a Legendary Enchantment uh, Shrine. At the beginning of your upkeep, draw a card for each shrine you control. So you're always going to draw at least one extra card, and I'm assuming because they're legendary that uh, the shrine cycle is is
3: present. Yes, all five are in.
2: So you have a chance to nice. draft more shrines.
3: Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of it is just like, hey, which you know, do you want to take one of them and kind of move in, see if you find another one? Because mm-hmm. they're all pretty good.
2: I mean, this one's fi- if you can find a window to cast this, then and not die the next turn, then you you're gonna win. Like. drawing two cards there one is just so tough not to mention if you decide
1: to go in on this i guess quote-unquote cycle a little bit and there's other ones that benefit what your deck's trying to do you could be drawing up to two cards extra turn that just sounds very good and not only
3: that but this will double power your other other shrines,
1: the other shrines yeah shrines shrines care about shrines apparently Uh, Mm -hmm. very interesting i like it a lot all right we have one more card in the pack march of the machines three in the blue for an enchantment each non creature artifact is an artifact creature with power and toughness, each equal to its converted mana cost. Interesting.
3: This is one of the few ways to get a non-legendary creature.
1: Uh huh. So March of uh, the Machines will turn game. uh Champion's Helm, funnily enough, into a 3 <laughs> 3. Or right. a Chromatic
2: Lantern. Yeah.
3: So yeah, I mean if it's it gives the a uh, really good payoff to having a ton of artifacts and enchantments.
2: Although it does turn I mean, your,
3: it not, turns your opponents.
2: It turns your opponent's artifacts into creatures, also correct,
3: right? So. however,
1: if they have, if they have a lot of uh, equipment, it turns all of those equipments nullified because they equipment that equipment that is a creature can't equip to other creatures. So correct. it's not like you are a champion. helm that's a three three can hop on the back of of uh, Captain Sisse. It doesn't become like a
2: bestow creature. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, so close. Okay, so to recap here, Captain Sisse, we like Caravek, we like Hannah, we like Urarask um Are there any of the other cards, Chromatic Lantern? I would consider sh- Chromatic Lantern, the Shrine, maybe.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I would actually take Champions Helm over the, the 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 Shrine. Yeah, but I mean, I think we can all agree that Captain sisse is the clear pick. It's the best tutor you could ever make for in this in this
2: whole cube, right? It, it, that's it. I have real trouble even thinking of a card period that I would want over Captain Sise in a Legendary Cube. <laughs>
3: Yeah, Captain Sissé might be one of the best cards in the entire, entire
1: you Look at that, team. And
2: we got to spoil it here on the show. I feel honored. Yeah, yeah nobody's ever heard of Captain Sissé before. Well, you know, and in we the cube. No,
1: Yeah, so we're all agreed then. I think we're all taking Captain Sissé first.
2: Mm-hmm. That's, but after that, it gets take. interesting because I'd take Hannah. Adam would mm-hmm. take Karavik. I would take Urbrask, although Karavik definitely does have a...
3: Yeah, I might consider taking Chromatic Lantern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just because yeah, it drafting leaves you open one of the, yeah the five color you know craziness decks oh
2: i should have said that because yeah, i josh. love five um no it's too late now he took it yeah josh you're off brand man you got to figure it out <laughs> you stayed with yours you're jimmy the red and yeah because yeah, i have a man. brand to uphold i know okay. what I... <laughs>
1: all right so okay very cool though uh so let's take a look at this pack sort of in a larger um Larger viewpoint. And let's see what we can visualize about the pack and what it says about the cube. So we've already mentioned a little bit of this. Obviously, fixing is a big part of the cube. Playing a lot of your cards on time and not sitting there with them wasting away in your hand is going to be very important both for your happiness and also how well your deck does. So we can see that out of the 15 cards in this first pack, four of them have fixing. So I think that's important to note that you're not going to probably take it first or
2: second pick, but it's something that you could consider taking a third, fourth mm-hmm. from that point on. There is only one ramp card, which is Chromatic Lantern. Uh, and again, we've only seen one pack. Adam, is there a lot of ramp in the cube, too? Or? Oh, yeah,
3: absolutely. Um,
2: is there the Kodama's Reach type stuff?
3: Yep. Okay. Uh, the, yeah, no, the Signets and Talismans and, you know, just a bunch of other, you know, one-ofs, mm-hmm. like, you know, like Kodama's Reach. Yeah, uh, very
2: very good card, obviously.
1: So you
3: cannot cheat out
2: creatures, but there are ways to accelerate your mana so that you get the Absol- creatures yeah, early. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Um. We don't see any three color cards present. Although I'm assuming that the three oh, color,
3: they're there. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, there are lots of three color cards. I believe there are thirty. Yeah, it would be very cards. hard to
1: bake a legendary cube without three color cards. Yeah, uh, we just for some reason got all allied pairs, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, are there any of the three color like commanders that reference like the command zone or anything like that? Like.
3: No, uh, so, I'm assuming
2: we'd have to stay away from, like, Aloro yeah. and Derevi and those types. Yeah,
3: something like Aloro just doesn't really do its thing mm-hmm. in an environment like this. So a lot of a lot of what makes Aloro cool and powerful is that it kind of just hangs out in your command zone. Right. Well, in this, it's not going to hang out in your command zone. It's only going to do its thing when you cast it. So right. it's just like not the same, not the same card, not it's kind of a watered down version if we were to include a card like Alora, So we decided not to use any of the like command zone relate, related cards.
2: Yeah, that right. makes that makes sense cuz none of the cards are going to go to the command zone. It doesn't zone. really exist in the one. What about game something either? like like Prosh um which is sort of related to the command zone but it would still do something even if it wasn't. I'm just, just out of curiosity.
3: I think Prosh was in and out uh-huh. um I believe it's not in the final, uh, just like we wanted to kind of, we talked about it. That's the type of stuff we do on a, you know, every meeting we Uh talk about design decisions or development decisions. There's like, Hey, do we want to encourage this, you know, these types of cards where, okay, they're not, they're not their full power. They're not, they're not played as intended, but they still have an effect. Uh-huh. And so I believe we decided to not include any of them. I know, sort of
1: keep it clean. Yeah, I understand. Right, that.
3: and use cards where you got to use the full effect. Right,
1: uh-huh. right. Yeah, you want to feel legendary when you're casting these things, obviously. Exactly. Um, now the power level is super high. How important is removal going to be in the, in the set? Now we didn't see any in our booster pack, so we're not. We have no, no idea how much of it there is.
3: Oh uh, yeah, like I said earlier, uh, there's not a lot of the like top tier. Swords the Plowshares, uh, Swords of Plowshares type stuff.
2: Like what type of what type of removal are we, are we looking at when you say that? Are we looking at um, I don't know, utter end type stuff, or is it like yeah,
3: utter, utter end is a good example.
2: Uh huh. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff that is more expensive and kind of gives you bonuses mm-hmm. right. for uh, doing stuff either with like an extra mode or extra you know kicker type type bonus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are um, things
2: like the charms?
3: The those are all considered. Uh-huh. Uh some some are in and some are not.
2: Oh, so it's not like full cycles of charms necessarily.
3: Correct.
1: Oh, yeah, cool. it'd be tough to fit all of them in, I'd also assume, and then I guess some of them don't maybe don't have full support in an archetype or whatever. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and some some of them just don't have a lot of uh great use. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, lot of the uh, efficient removal only kills small stuff. That was one thing we tried to do where you can't use your two-mana card to kill a seven-mana card very easily. Mm-hmm. So you have to use your... I mean, removal is important because these cards are really, really powerful. Right, mm-hmm. but you
1: wanted to make sure that it wasn't just a tempo blowout anytime someone used a cheap removal spell against a very right. powerful creature. Right. If you talk
3: about a, a normal cube, a lot of these cards... Don't make the cut, in when you just put the power to the max. Right, right. Instead, we we decided to go for because the legends, the legendary theme, kind of is like, hey, let's do a little low power where you have time to assemble your cool combinations. Mm-hmm.
2: You know what this sounds like? It sounds like Rise of the Eldrazi, which is like my favorite draft format ever. Oh well, yeah, definitely. That being
3: said, Rise of the Eldrazi had a lot of power. Right. Yeah. In it as well.
2: But it was also purposely sort of slowed down. Like they, they were worried about the same thing, right? Which was like, we don't want it to be like you finally cast your eight mana spell and there's just a million ways to deal with it for two mana.
3: Right. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is like, so Rise of the Dr- Eldrazi draft did have like, yeah, we do want to slow down the game. We do want the big stuff to matter.
1: Yeah. I mean, the it, cheapest black removal spell punished you for getting rid of something big because you lost a lot of life if you did
3: it. Yeah, true. Yeah, so yeah, Vendetta is a really good example of the type of card we were looking for. I'm not sure if we included actual Vendetta, right? Right. But, but like yeah, cards. you want to
1: you want to find that balance so that removal just doesn't feel
2: overpowered.
3: Right. I,
1: li-
2: I like that. I tend to like you know, and and the sort of newer formats, um, b- Battle for Zendikar is mm-hmm. like that, um, where it's a little bit slowed down and you have time to do stuff and do cool stuff. Of yeah, course, you I get, like that. You get to play a with your, yeah, exactly. You get a re- you feel like you get to play with your, your cards
1: more. Very yeah, exciting. And,
3: and on the flip side of that, you don't want to feel helpless mm-hmm. when your opponent casts something really powerful. It's like, oh, wow, I just didn't see any way to kill that in my whole draft. Right. What am I, you know, I going to do? How am I going to interact with that
1: one? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because
3: as you saw in our booster, there there's a lot of really powerful stuff. Like if your opponent caps a Captain Sista, you're not just dead on the spot.
2: Right, right. Yeah, you need some way to be able to be like, okay, kill Captain (laughs) Sisse. And by the way, if anybody casts Captain Sisse against you, kill it immediately. Yeah, it seems like a high priority target there. (laughs) One activation is maybe enough. Yeah.
3: Unless you want to see every good, powerful legend in their deck.
2: Yeah, come out over the course of the game. Oh,
1: my gosh.
3: (laughs) Well,
2: you know how in a lot of games people are like, I just need to draw this one card. Well, if you have Captain Suze, you get to draw that card every turn. Yeah, you get to choose that. You're Like, hmm, what do I want this time? Hmm."
1: (laughs) Plus my draw step. I still get it. (laughs) Um, Exactly. All right, so let's pretend that the cube draft is over, and when that happens, you might win a prize pack. Oh! Yeah, so so, the
3: the prize packs are interesting. Again, this comes out of uh, a lot of the good work done by digital mm -hmm. R&D, where we kind of think of trying to come up with new ways to bring, like, The content, we have awesome content in the Magic, the Gathering, and we try and bring it to online in the best way possible. And what we wanted to do with this cube is give you something that didn't just feed into itself, kind of like built your collection.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, it it makes total sense, too, because if this is opening up to a different market than cube normally is and also a different market than maybe even Magic Online normally is, then the best way to get somebody who's tried something out to keep doing it is not necessarily give them player points, you know, to to let them sort of... It's almost like experience points or something in a role-playing game where it's like, yeah, you get a, you get some cards, you add it to your collection, you can start, you know, branching out into playing Commander like Jimmy's going to do online. Yeah, yeah.
3: So if you draft Battle for Zendikar online, you'll get some cards just by... uh You know, you get the cards that you open and you'll get booster packs if you win from battle for zedekar so right. like, drafting kind of helps build your collection over time that's that's how i be- would build my collection i draft a ton
2: yeah same here i just trade them all in but
3: <laughs> and with cubes you can't actually do that you can't actually give you the cards otherwise you know all sorts yep. of all sorts of things go wrong yeah
1: so we would do cause massive unbalance in the world
3: exactly so what we decided to do was give you a subset of not a subset of the cube, but a different a set of cards.
1: Yeah, 149 we, total.
3: Yeah, there are 149 of them. Uh, they come across all the commander products. So the the sets that we drew these 149 cards from were all the commander products. So com- either original commander, commander 13, 14, now 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, the commander's arsenal. So Ooh, all those cards exciting. are in here with the commander's arsenal art.
1: Oh, what? my goodness. Sylvan Library, yeah. everybody. So,
3: and then... Jimmy's eyes just lit up like a Christmas yeah, tree. <laughs> the Conspiracy, and uh, one more, play chase, play Ooh, chase 2. Very cool, yeah. Cards.
2: So this is prize packs for Commander, basically. Yes. Yeah.
3: So this card was basically to help boost Commander online.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh You'll get a lot of cards that... We picked cards that are heavily played in Commander whenever possible.
2: And we should say that the prize packs are six cards total. Mm -hmm. Um, Right.
3: So (laughs) it was really interesting uh, looking at these. So we're just like, okay, so we'll have a, you know, we looked at like, oh, let's just do a normal normal booster it'll have 15 cards and you'll have a whole bunch of commons and then we looked at it and just like "Mm, there are no commons in commander products right yeah and
2: and and commander players don't play a lot of commons there are very few that we use
3: yeah right
2: i mean we have access to like basically the same card pool that that vintage does almost and There's no reason to use a lot of the commons. I mean, there's a few. Yeah.
3: There are some, but there aren't enough of them to fill a whole booster. So we decided, okay, let's get rid of common rarity. Now we'll just have uncommon, rare, mythic. And then once we added, we kind of put commons and uncommons together. So you should see some commons that are rarity shifted up to uncommon. Gotcha. Gotcha.
2: So there's going to be one rare and then five Uncommons and some of those might be commons once in a while,
3: right? Mm-hmm. They'll all be of the same rarity, but some of them might have originally been
1: commons. Gotcha, excellent. Well, let's crack open our uh, our or I guess our,
2: our real okay. Well, can I let me ask one more prize question pack. really quick, I'm Adam? Because I'm not sure if it's oh, you're cracking our act. So, if I understand you right, not necessarily all the cards in the prize packs will be in the cube. Yes, it's a different selection,
3: yeah. it's a different selection. Uh, one thing to really notice that all of the cards in Commander 15. That's how you get them. You get them. They're all in these prize packs.
2: Right. Okay. So all fifty-five of the new cards are
1: available. Yeah, I, the I prize believe pack? they're.
3: Yeah. Because yeah. you're
2: going to need to get them somehow when you build your commander deck, Jimmy. Hey, you know,
1: if you're getting six un- or five uncommons per pack, you're gonna you're probably gonna collect these pretty fast because there's only 150 cards in the the set that you can win here. So that's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. That's true. All right, so uh, let's crack it open. We've got five uncommons. We'll read those first, and then we'll go on to our rare. Our first uncommon is Vow of Duty. It's a two in white for an enchantment aura. You chant a creature, and it gets plus two, plus two, has vigilance, and can't attack you or a planeswalker you control. So this is what I like to call the anti-Voltron card. You stick it on someone else's commander, and they can no longer swing at you with it. But it becomes huge and has vigilance and will end the game more quickly for everyone else while you kind of can
2: find your answer to that card when it comes time. Or just ignore it forever because it can never attack you. Correct.
3: Yeah, it's it's one of those cards that kind of makes... in commander you stick it on somebody else's guy and that card will still that card will even be stronger but i'll have to go get somebody else they can't get, kill you yeah, yeah this
2: was from conspiracy uh so we've seen a little bit there oh the next card is deceiver exarch yeah this is modern playable it's a uh, two and a blue for a one four cleric with flash when deceiver exarch enters the battlefield you can choose one untap target permanent you control or tap target permanent in opponent controls, you almost always untap your creature that either has Splinter Twin on it or is mm-hmm. Kiki-Jiki.
1: Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> if you
2: don't have that value, you, uh, because it's targeted
1: permanent and not a non-land permanent, you can do lands, which is actually really helpful. Yeah, or Gilded Lotus or something cool oh, like that. yeah, seriously. So that's a very good card.
3: So a lot of another thing we did through the prize packs is we put a decent amount of cards that if you're interested in the... Competitive formats on Magic Online, Modern, uh Legacy and Vintage, there are cards for you. So Ooh, if that's you're cool. not a commander player, there are cards in these prize packs that you will want to own.
2: Yeah, this is a good crossover card that's useful in many formats. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Just um, very powerful.
1: Yeah,
3: particularly modern, but it yeah, it's it's definitely its use in modern is a big reason why we put Deceiver X Arts in these in the prize packs. Sweet.
2: You wanna read the next one, Adam?
3: Yeah, so then we have, let's say, uh, we have Harmonize, just a simple time-shifted concentrate. It's 2GG, Sorcery, draw three cards.
2: Hey, it's Green's Ancestral Recall. (laughs) It's very good. Yeah, it's great. Because it's just not an effect Green really can replicate Mm -hmm. that easily. And so especially Mono Green almost always wants a card like this. Yeah, I would
1: definitely play this in most Mono Green decks. I know a lot of people that played in decks that are like, that don't have that much card draw, otherwise, like green, white, you know? Yep. It's a great way to sort mm-hmm. of get just a little extra value in there for a
2: card. It's a three for one. The next card is a land. It's Crumbling crumbling Necropolis. It's one of the tri-lands. It taps for Grixis, and it comes into play tapped. So that's blue, black, and red.
1: Yeah, that's my land right there. Those are my chase of colors. My favorite. Nice.
2: I love trilance. Yeah, I, I do love too. all lands. Yeah, how can you not? They they make the game possible. Well, in a in a five-color deck, you can play all 10 trilance. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Very true. Uh and our final uncommon, uh you guys will know this one, Swiftfoot Boots, two drop artifact equipment. Equipped creature has hexproof and haste and it equips for one. So cheap. Uh, any Voltron deck needs that card. Yeah, totally. All right, we got to our rare in the pack and we were talking about plane chase earlier and our card I believe comes from it. Shardless Agent. Oh, so good. Yeah, this card has also just hasn't been reprinted that often. Uh, I don't think ever. Maybe. Since maybe. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a great card though. It's one green blue for a two two with Cascade, and. It's also an artifact creature, so that doesn't matter for some decks. Um, Cascading is just what a crazy mechanic. Uh, if you guys have uh, Maelstrom Wanderer decks, you know what Cascade is. It's when you cast the spell, you exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card that costs less. So in this case, two CMC or below, and then you can play it. You can play it without ca- without paying its mana cost.
3: Yeah, this is a card again. I was talking about cards that would su- uh, support uh, the competitive formats on right. Magic Online. So this is a a prominent Legacy card.
2: Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And it's very good in Commander because you can actually build your Commander deck so this hits like a single specific card. Yeah. Because Commander decks you can build with only one two-drop in the whole deck. Right. And so you can just make sure that every time you play Shardless Agent you get that two-drop.
1: Yeah, that's pretty sweet, by the way. It's like, hey, I I have to have Swiftfoot Boots in this deck, and it's like, guess what? Mm-hmm. You're you're not running, and you're running
2: some one-drop artifacts like Sol Ring, but right. it's like, great,
1: well, if this finds a Sol Ring, then this would be a yeah, sweet
2: it's... card. Or if there's just a card that happens to combo really well with your general, let's say, mm-hmm. so you know you're always going to want it, you can, just, you can really do interesting things with Cascade mm-hmm. in general, but especially Shardless Agent, because it sits at that specific point yeah. uh, on the mana curve.
3: Yeah, I would just put this in a Commander deck and only put soul Ring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Yeah, yeah>, right. <laughs> and there you go,
2: boom.
1: And you got two soul Rings. Yeah, three mana soul yeah. Ring. Uh, that's pretty uh, good. Yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll, it. I'll, and a 2-2 while you're at it, you know. All right, well, let's do a quick wrap-up. The Legendary Cube, uh, we'll give all the information at the end of the show as well, but it's going to be running from November 18th to December 9th. There's going to be an article with all the details on the Cube. It was released on November 2nd, so we're going to give you guys all the links for that so you can check it out. Uh, and, uh, you know... I was intimidated by Magic Online for a while because I, I was like, I'm not going to play Commander on it. I'm you know, i afraid of misclicking and stuff. And it honestly just took me uh, something like this, a cool format to draft to get me into it for Magic Online. Those cons of Tarkir for me last year. So I'm really excited. I think this is a great chance for a lot of people to get introduced to Magic Online and hopefully also Commander on Magic uh, Online because we get asked about that all the time on the show. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I think Commander players will have, you know, some, they'll have a leg up on some people that maybe play, like, the spikier, more competitive formats, because, like Adam was saying, we know a lot of these cards already, like, Urrask or something is not a card that sees competitive play, but we know that card, because you see it all the time in Commander, so you know what other cards might work well with it, and there's a good chance a lot of those are in the cube, so it's a good time to jump in if you've never tried magic online because I it's going to we'll be have more a familiar. Leg up
1: too for sure yeah we we'll definitely yeah. have a little bit of an edge there
3: i think there's a lot to be had like if if you come from either a commander background or cube background i think you'll have skills that really translate yeah totally uh, into this like i used uh robert schuster as my commander muse so to speak <laughs> was he dressed
2: uh, as a pirate the whole time to yes
3: he, he was not Ah, so close it just spoiled it for you (laughs) but i think we got to a point where you know both of us were like yes i get this cube i i know what's you know i know what's going on i can use my skills that i you know learned in a previous magic experience to translate over into this and and it's something different it's like there's so many cards in the legendary cube that have never cast before Ooh. Like,
2: right, because yeah, if right. you don't play Actually, a ton of if commander... If I don't
3: play a ton of commander, and a lot of these cards kind of fit into the, you know... Before working on this thing, I never cast the Captain Sissé.
1: <gasps> well, welcome to a new world of yeah, a ton of fun.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I probably got the top end of Captain Sisse's, uh power level. Oh, oh, nice, Cap- yeah, yeah, most certainly. So
1: Especially because you can play five-color Captain Sissé easily. Yep. very very cool well, all right. i am
2: super excited to try it out me too but in the meantime i'm more excited for what's about to happen that's right we're wrapping up our legacy or, or
1: not legacy sorry our legendary cube talk because it's time it's time to talk about our commander 2015 spoiler woohoo what what very exciting all right But before we get to our spoiler, we have a sponsor for today's show, and that is Loot Crate. We've talked about these guys before. We're friends with the creators of the company. They helped out with Video Game High School in the past, as well as my own personal fundraiser for Band-Aid last year. These guys are great. It's less than $20 a month for a subscription box service. You get $40 plus worth of geek, gamer pop culture gear, collectible stuff, apparel, comics, etc. And it's delivered straight to your mailbox every single month. And of course, every single month, the Loot Crate is themed. And this month, the theme is combat. So you've got some cool stuff from Blizzard, Fallout 4, Capcom, The Hunger Games, etc. Really just talking about Loot Crate doesn't do it justice, you guys have to go to lootcrate.com slash command and you can actually see really great pictures of what's inside a typical box and really if you just look at it for half a second, you'll realize that there is a lot of value in here. It's really great if you're into collecting this kind of stuff or if you want to re-gift the items to your friends because you know they'll like it. So if you guys go to lootcrate.com slash command, you can sign up through the command zone and you have until 9pm Pacific Standard Time on November 19th to sign up through us and you can save 3 bucks on your new subscription description today all right let's get back to the spoiler our commander 2015 spoiler uh courtesy of uh, the mothership i see you going to do the drum
2: roll and then stopping yourself is because it like, yeah. it'll make them no i'm still yeah. doing it that's a mouth roll man we need real drums or something that just sounds bad hey terry can you put in a drum roll yeah, and the commander is. uh not the commander. The you turned into a game show host. I know.
1: And Come here we go. Down, four. I know. Okay, sorry, everybody. We're gonna read it. Go. Okay, me. the card is called "Right of the Raging Storm" and it's red. So it's, I'm very what's happy. What's to the
2: left of the raging storm? uh Need more storm. <laughs> I guess it's R-I-T-E of the Raging
1: Storm. It's the player to the left of right of the Raging Storm. Uh, It's not the left of the Raging Storm. (laughs) It's three red red for an enchantment. Creatures named Lightning Rager can't attack you or Planeswalkers you control. So we actually saw this uh, in uh, Vow of Duty. has a very similar effect.
3: There are no cards named Lightning Rager, though.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. However... But there will be. Yeah. At the beginning of each player's upkeep... That player puts a 5-1 red elemental creature token named Lightning Rager onto the battlefield. Uh-huh. It has Trample, Haste, and at the beginning of the end step, Sacrifice this creature.
2: So everybody gets like a, basically a ball lightning every turn?
1: Yeah, that just flies at some. But it can't attack you. Or Planeswalkers you control.
2: So they have to attack each
1: other with them. Yes.
3: This seems... right, again, this is like the, the souped up version of the vow that we had in our prize booster.
1: Yeah, yeah. Giving everyone this little lightning rager guy that's going,
3: ah,
0: I gotta swing.
1: <laughs> well, he doesn't have to swing, but he really, really wants to, and he's not gonna go after his maker. They should have made it so he has to swing
2: to his right, because <laughs> it's the right of the raging storm.
1: Yeah, unless, unless that. I
3: don't, I don't think we, uh, we have that language. Yeah, uh, I think that's an unset, unset <laughs>
2: lingo we got going there. Um, Um, This card's really interesting, and when you start thinking about it more, there's ways to take advantage of of a lot of the stuff that it's doing, right? So it's making a creature for everybody, including yourself, every turn that they have to sacrifice. It doesn't actually say exile it at the end of turn. Yeah,
1: a lot of these effects usually say exile the creature at the end of your turn. Uh, It's really interesting because... You know, I, I, my, my brain immediately jumped to the worst case scenario, which is like, well, everyone's going to get these five ones, and then they're all going to look at each other and be like, well, I don't want to swing at you because you're scary, so I'm just going to hold them back. Right. Uh, in which case, it's like, oh, this card isn't as good as I thought. However, there are some really interesting cards that interact well with this. Um, the first is a commander called card, uh, a card called Assault Suit. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is an equipment that the, uh, the text says equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, has haste, can't attack you or a you can control, and can't be
2: sacrificed. So you put it on yours, and then now everybody's going to have two of these every turn, and they have to attack, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the assault
1: suit uh, says uh, the other part of it is at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, you may have play- that player oh, yeah, gain control of equipped creature until end of turn. And if you do untap it, so you you can essentially pass around a unsacrificable five one uh, with assault suit, which is interesting because
2: the, the well it'll text, actually be a uh, seven three. Yeah, right. it's even bigger. Um,
1: so you can yeah a,
3: pass these around the table and they can't just yeah you and more importantly they just can't be sacrificed.
1: Yeah, it's really that's interesting. The, that's
3: the real the real key.
1: Yeah, I like this card, assault suit, a lot because it kind of uh, motions toward a deck that I don't think a lot of people play, but I think is really effective, which is. Let them fight it out, kind of thing, or like have the incidental damage of other things take people down. It's like down. the instigator deck, right? It's yeah. like you make
2: them fight each other while you sort of step mm-hmm. aside. Uh, Zergo plays this card a lot. Yeah, um, it's a very, it's a, it's a common card in the Zergo decks, um, and our, this enchantment is red, so it could go into a Zergo deck that yeah. already has a salt suit, so it could be a good inclusion there. Certainly. See, this card makes me think of.
1: Dictate of the Twin Gods, Furnace of Wrath, oh, yeah. Gisela, all these cards that basically say, like, these five ones, they're doing 10 damage instead of five now, and they have Trample and Haste. I think Trample's the most important part of these Lightning Ragers, because they could just run into a bigger creature, like a 6-6, six, six, and they're just like, whatever. But the fact that they can trample over makes it a lot harder, if you, especially if you're out there to instigate war on the world and make everything do double the damage, <laughs> then giving everyone a 10-1 on a stick
2: is really powerful. Every turn, yeah, yeah seems pretty good.
0: Yeah,
3: it's... Oh, I mean- This plays up into kind of... Historically, red is easily the worst color in Commander. Yeah. it doesn't really have an identity. So a lot of what we're trying to do is make red cards that, like, feel red, but also work in a multiplayer thing. So, like, what this card does is it kind of just makes stuff happen.
1: Yeah, I like that. It gets the party going.
3: (laughs) Exactly. So, you, you know, red is often, you know, hey, let's... Let's get this game over with. Like, I'm dealing, I'm going to throw a bunch of my burn spells at your face. Right. You better kill me before I, you know. Red is not for self preservation.
2: Right. (laughs) Red doesn't think that far ahead.
3: Which is really bad in a multiplayer game where the name of the game is often self preservation. Yeah.
1: Lasting through to the end of the game sort of stuff.
3: Yeah. So this card kind of helps other players kill each other.
1: Yeah. And I like that a lot because I think. It is something that uh, playgroups do sort of shy away from, which is like, uh, you know, I just kind of want to sit back and I don't want other people to hurt me, so I'm not going to upset them. And it kind of ends up in long, grindy games. And I love cards like this because it really does force people's hands. And it also is a really interesting uh, political thing because, you know, even though your opponent's the one getting the creature, it's not like you don't have any input on where, where that creature is going to swing uh, when the person goes to combat with it. You know, you can really sort of push people's... Uh, Agendas left and right a little bit if you're playing the table correctly which is great
2: i think you know to your point that you talked about earlier which was the fear is that nothing's forcing them to attack with it so players could just get the 5-1 and then just uh, let refu- it chill and just in. yeah refuse yeah. to attack so i might combine this with red does have a lot of effects that just cause creatures to have to attack uh, every the, turn the yeah. diplomats <clears throat> yeah exactly goblin diplomats are one of them there's a there's a lot of effects in red that do that and That might be a good way to sort of cause them to have to use them. And the great thing about a card like this is like, let's say Jimmy plays it. And then on my turn, I get a 5-1. And then there's two other players I can attack. And if I'm forced to attack one of them, it's not like that player goes, oh, I forgive you, dude. (laughs) he says no why didn't you attack the other guy yeah you had a choice between the two of us you chose to attack me now he's mad at him and it just did exactly what jimmy wanted it to which it made me and that other guy fight even though it should be like hey but jimmy made me do that yeah but it doesn't matter because i did have a choice between the two other players then one of them can get legitimately (laughs) mad that i attacked them It shifts the burden of
1: blame completely on the person that has to swing it which is great
2: yeah, because uh, when it comes
1: around to your turn, you can be like, I'm not swinging with it. <laughs> <laughs> I won't um, use
2: the Goblin Diplomats on myself.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I also love cards uh, because, again, you're sacrificing it at the end of turn, so it does die. Blood Artist, I think, is a really good card uh, if you're playing that kind of deck. Again, sort of like the
2: Perforost Blood Artist. Sort of- Blood Artist is great because it's Blood just Artist, four yeah. damage to everybody. Yeah. every round of the table every round of the table life.
1: yeah which is really interesting because you know blood artist is just good by itself but now that you know that for certain certain cards are going to be dying and you're sort of building decks to to take advantage of this i think you're in a really good position oh man mm. death reap ritual yeah death reap ritual morbid triggers right so anytime uh, a creature uh ha- if it died this turn you may draw
2: a card or that's what death reap ritual says that's insane right four cards off yeah at the beginning of each end step if a creature died this turn you may draw a card so you can't draw draw more than one but this means you'll draw one every single turn because every single turn their lightning rager will will die and then it'll go to jimmy's turn and his will die and then then every turn i'm drawing a card that's awesome yep which is really exciting um i got defeated by this guy hardcore
1: last night when we were playing commander crush the blood braided was Yeah, it was Craig. There's a good uh, crush deck. Whenever <laughs> another creature dies, you may put X plus one plus one counters on Crush, where X is that creature's power.
3: Oh, so one uh,
1: rotation of the table. Crush yeah,
3: Crush will get real large.
1: Yeah, he's uh he's jacked enough as it is. He's just gonna get even buffer. Yeah, uh, last night good. actually, I should mention it. Uh Craig was playing against a uh an omnath deck, Locust of Rage. Mm-hmm. And oh the had, new Omnath. Yeah, had a bunch of five fives out. And then Craig played Archfiend of Depravity. And made everyone sacrifice down to two every turn, oh. and you know the thing was Crash still. And Crash was out. Yeah. Oh. Crash became like a sixty-six sixty. What? A-O, it was something absurd. Hit. Yeah. And, and then he had an artifact that gave it flying trample haste, so it was game over <laughs> for everyone. Seems good. Real good. Seems pretty
2: good.
3: Yeah, I think uh, one of the cards that the first one I thought of when I saw this card was uh, Greater Good.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, because then says, you, then you can just sack it and draw cards. Yep yeah uh greater good is a green enchantment where you sacrifice a creature and draw cards equal to its power and then discard
3: three cards is that right yep so you draw five and discard three on that your
2: seems card. pretty great yeah it seems yeah. really great um of course that. the nightmare scenarios if somebody else gets out like dictate of Erebos or grave
3: Pact. Yeah. but if you
2: have either one of those
1: then yeah it's you, great.
3: Could, you could have those yourself
1: yeah yeah totally um My final card that I think is the one that people will hate me the most for is Burning Sands. Whenever a creature is put into a graveyard from play, that creature's controller sacrifices a land. Oh, wow. (laughs) But it'll
2: hurt you, too.
1: I mean, so what? You just want to watch the world burn, Jimmy. Yeah, you know, I mean, like... (laughs) I mean, look, if you have other things that that are giving people creatures or forcing things to die, I mean, you're obviously building a deck around this so that you may suffer some of the results of the the harm of Burning Sands, but really, you're trying to inflict pain on other people.
2: You see Uh, what I'm dealing with here, Adam? You see what I'm dealing with?
1: If
3: you wanted... Nobody to play with you ever again. You can just play Armageddon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Burning Sands, it takes steps. It takes effort, you know? <laughs> it's more.
2: It's got more style points.
1: Yeah. It'll force the rune player to blink at his lightning ranger instead instead of it dying or whatever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, so we can't go through every card that would interact in an interesting way with uh, Left of the Raging Storm, but we would like to hear from everybody out there. If you want to tweet at us, email us. Uh, is there another way to get a hold of us comment on the youtube page or the rocket jump page yeah about what cool combinations, synergies interesting interactions you see with this card we would love to hear about it yeah and we'll retweet them we'll post them around and we'll have a discussion there and we'll put them into our decks too i'll
1: give you guys a starting point we do not talk entirely about cards that care about creatures specifically being sacrificed and there's a couple of cards out there Mm. uh new and old that are really good Oh, the new
2: Smothering Abomination I see you've got written down there. That seems pretty good. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a hint. That's one of them. Yeah, All right. Alert. Yeah, super spoiler <laughs> alert, right? Uh, Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate having you
1: on.
3: Thanks for having me. And we're
2: really excited to play your legendary
1: cube. Yeah. Every single detail that you guys need to know or link to find out more about the cube, how to get involved and how to play it is going to be in the show notes or the more info box below our YouTube video. Uh, As a reminder, it runs from November 18th to December 9th. You may see me or Josh on there. Uh, My account. Yeah, and Adam. Uh, My account name is Jimmy underscore CMDZ. Mine is
2: Josh underscore CMDZ.
3: And mine is uh, Watsi underscore Adam P.
2: Oh, how fancy! You get Watson. Uh-huh. If of I game. am in a game and I'm like, I see Adams' handle, I'm gonna be shaking in my boots. So this is the guy that designed the. Oh, man, yeah. I would be like, uh, I'll be, be shaking nervous. in your swift foot boots. Yeah,
3: I'll be, I'll be trying to do something totally off the wall and ridiculous that may or may not work. Right. Yeah.
1: How many times have you drafted it in uh, in any iteration? I guess of the the current queue.
3: We probably did about you know. six six or seven playtests that I took part in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I be- I wouldn't recognize
2: it's changed a lot. since. It's then.
3: changed so much from the first iteration. The first Ooh, iteration is a total guess.
2: Very cool. Have I mentioned on. that your job is really cool?
3: You, you have. <laughs> okay. I agree. Right.
2: Very nice.
1: Um, uh, all- yeah.
3: A lot of time, one really interesting thing about my job is that I still love playing magic once the sets are released. Yeah. Because, in my during in my job, I cards change so often that I barely recognize. You know, I've played the set that is released so little uh-huh. because if the set if we're happy with everything in the set, we're just done. Right, right. Our job's done. So we mm. keep we keep working and iterating on things, and so that I you know I still play F and M's whenever I can. I still love playing standard. I log into Magic Online on the regular and play all the stuff that I worked on, and it's. Still a new experience for me.
2: It is really cool to talk to Watsi employees, um, and, and they'll tell you stories about. Well, this card used to be this, and it's pretty <laughs> interesting. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. interesting to see, and a lot of times you're like, "It used to what? That's insanity!" <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, we know. That's why it's not doing that anymore." <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. There's all all sorts of stuff like that, you know. Yeah, to tell you about Empress Galina, just like, oh, that was. That was yeah. So if, if you do see Adam
2: so, across from you on an MTGO, make sure to ask him for a cool story.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Requisite have to give you I'll one. Be, I'll be happy to
3: share one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the full cube list is going to be available on the 9th, which should be four days from the release of this podcast. Adam, you're also writing an article about the design. I'm yeah, looking forward to reading it, that.
3: It'll be up on the 9th, and it'll just go about all the trials and tribulations that went into making the, the legendary, legendary cube.
1: cube. Very cool. Um, also, you're going to be interviewed by Megan and Maria for Magic the Amateuring. Uh, they are friends of the podcast. Uh, and we'll be sure to link that episode if it's out by the time. Uh, yeah, Magic yeah, well. the amateur-ing.
3: Woo! Yep, it is out.
1: Excellent. It is
2: out in the future, but which will be for the past when you're listening to this. It's complicated. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. We gave you only ill warning about this, Adam, but do you have yeah. something cool?
3: I've been in the Seattle area for just over two years uh-huh. and uh, last weekend was the first time I went to uh, Pike Place market ah oh, very nice did you catch and, fish no we, we just hung out like in the farmers market area. you don't we didn't actually go fishing or anything like that but there's just like a whole bunch of cool stuff in downtown Seattle and it was a lot of fun, and I want to go downtown more often. Yeah, usually I haven't gone to downtown Seattle very often because the traffic is just horrible. Right. But I took the light rail for the first time, and it was very clean and very easy. Me and my girlfriend and her daughter had a total blast, and Pike it was really
1: fun. Pike Place is great uh, yeah, I, I don't I know if you know But Jimmy's Seattle. from Seattle Yeah, yeah And it oh, was nice. It was one of those things though Because I, I'd never gone To the Space Needle I'd never gone to EMP You know Really? Well I mean like We went at once. to The Jimi Hendrix Museum yeah, Down there Well yeah The Experience Music Project yeah. Please Sorry It's sorry. a project Not a museum <laughs>
2: uh it's a museum everybody. but
1: like Pike place was just one of those places i didn't make it to because you grew up in the city you know you hear about it all the time you see it uh, every time they have a, a seahawks game you see them throwing the fish in the, at pike place you know yeah so and when i finally did go there there's all these it was amazing it was so much fun there's all these cool little people that uh, uh they, they sell like little stands like their crafts and whatever else, like they, they bottle honey or whatever, you know, it's just like a lot of really cool artisan stuff. I bought there.
2: the bottled honey there before. It's actually very good. I grew up in Portland, which is very close. The yeah. very first Starbucks is right across the street from Pike's Place. Yep. Oh, wow. um, if you're ever in Seattle, it's sort of a must go to area. It's pretty yeah, cool.
3: In the area, there's also this like, there's this wall. It's a gum wall. Oh, the gum yeah, wall. The gum
2: yeah. Wall.
3: <laughs> it's, it's totally, gr- it's so gross. It's, it's the, totally gross, but you always uh, have, you have to you take have pictures. You have to
2: go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you put gum on the gum wall? Yeah, oh, of course. God. Ugh. <laughs> you have to do it with like a straw or something, so you don't actually have to touch it. I always think right, about those yeah, Japanese it. game shows
1: where you they like launch off a thing and try to stick themselves to a wall. I just <laughs> oh, imagine the gum wall being oh, at no. the end of
2: that. Is that like those dreams where you're like on the edge of a cliff and you just have this weird desire to jump? Yeah, it's the gum wall. You just want to do just... this weird desire to like smash your face into it. Oh
3: god! Well, no, no <laughs> when you're there, you want to touch it. You want yeah. to. It, yeah, it's you so know colorful. You <laughs> It's, yeah. <laughs> like the three, it's like
2: the three-year-old It's like the 3 in you comes out. But yeah, yes. you'll
3: just contract every single communicable disease known to man.
2: Absolutely yeah, do precisely. not touch the gum wall. Um, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to friend of the show, Jack Landis, who uh, I saw on Twitter made top eight at game day hey. last weekend. Jack is, do, I believe Jack's nine.
1: Yeah, he's a young one.
2: Yeah, he might be nine or ten now. He's um, better than Magic you, than I am, pro- most assuredly. Do you know
1: what
3: he played?
2: He played a teamer list. Ooh, oh, Team nice. on the Ramp? Yeah. I, I don't know the exact list. I know his dad played the Aristocrats uh deck, Eric did and and got knocked out. Uh, but Jack was in top eight. Um, hey man, Big Nux. It's all about big Nux.
3: True story. Uh when I worked on cons development it was the first uh set I worked on at Wizards. Oh uh-huh. cool. And when we were done uh play testing our FFL, our future future league standard, we thought Teamer was one of the best clans.
2: Because Big Nux was that good.
3: Yeah, we just thought, you know, between Savage, Duncan Wade, and Teamer Charm, and just all the really, like, all the uh, ferocious cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Crater's Claws was one of our, you know, standout cards.
2: This sounds like the deck I ran at GPLA. Yeah, yeah man. And,
3: and I was so surprised when it was, it's probably the worst clan in terms of uh tournament success mhm oh, yeah absolutely it. yeah for
2: sure because abzan Jeskai, soltai all had and even had mardu day. and yeah. even mardu had some top 8 success well so.
1: is now essentially mardu jeskai <laughs> yeah <laughs> They've combined the two which is but, great. yeah
3: i i would not have guessed that Teemo was one of the weaker
1: clans. Well, excitingly, there's a lot of red green uh, ramp Eldrazi decks on the horizon now. People are trying to figure out. I don't know if Teemer is one of the weaker clans. Ask Jack Landis. He doesn't yeah. think so. <laughs> yeah. But uh, our good friend uh, Gabe or SG Doc has a Teemer ramp list that seems really powerful too. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Teemer. Those are, uh, that or Grixis are my spirit colors. So I'm nice. All in. Nice. Nice. Spirit right.
2: colors. Speaking of that, our sister podcast is Masters of Modern. You can check them out on rocketjump.com right next to us on the podcast tab, rocketjump.com slash the MM cast. You can follow them on Twitter at the MM cast. Our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. Special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the living card animations that he
1: does for the uh, YouTube version of the show. You can find that at youtube.com slash the Command Zone podcast, and you can find
2: Jeffrey at Living Cards MTG on Twitter. And Adam, where can we find you on the Twitters?
3: my twitter name is very boring it's at adam uh, underscore
1: pro sex not boring at all S A K S A K. key yeah i mean josh is, is not a letter no <laughs> josh, josh is joshly Lee Lee K-Y. k-y yeah joshly k-y i am just jf wong so i guess we all have quote-unquote boring usernames but you know what
3: they're memorable
2: all right adam thanks for coming on the show
3: hey thanks for having me all
1: right guys we'll see you next
2: time peace
0: Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at jfwang and at Josh Lee See you later, alligator.
2: Greetings, humans. (laughs)